welcome to the Sermons Podcast, a ministry of Vienna Assembly of God, located right here in Vienna, Virginia. We're so glad you've joined us today. Hope you enjoy today's sermon. Well, Resurrection Portraits, we are looking today at Elisha, and our theme today is legacy. Last week, we talked about the resurrection of Lazarus and how Jesus taught trust um, and how he brought us into the invitation for our trust to grow in him. Didn't I tell you that you would see the glory of God if you will trust? And so as we are trusting him, as we are looking for those miracles that we need in our life, that's what we're looking to um, from last week. Today, legacy, legacy. What is our legacy going to be? You know, we celebrated the church's 75th anniversary in June, and that thought that this church has been here for 75 years equals that there, that somebody set a foundation so that we could be here today. There is a legacy that has brought us to now, but who is responsible for the legacy beyond here? And that's why our theme was now. What are we doing now and what will the legacy be? So kind of let that frame your thoughts as we look at this passage um, about Elisha. So Elisha was the protege of Elijah. So kids say Elijah, Elijah with a J and then Elisha, Elisha with a sh, sh. <laughs> I'm not telling you to sh, I'm saying you can say Elisha. <laughs> so two different people with very similar names. Okay. And so their stories are found towards the end of first Kings and then into second Kings. And so we're going to start, I I have several um, snippets from their story. That's going to help us walk through this story of resurrection with Elisha. So the first one is in second Kings chapter two, verses 9 through 14, and we are going to see how the legacy of Elijah was taken on by Elisha. Starting at verse 9, when they came to the other side, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I can do for you before I am taken away. And Elisha replied, please let me inherit a double share of your spirit and become your successor. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah replied. If you see me when I am taken from you, then you will get your request. But if not, then you won't. As they were walking along and talking, suddenly a chariot of fire appeared drawn by horses of fire. It drove between the two men, separating them. And Elijah was carried by a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha saw it and cried out, my father, my father, I see the chariots and charioteers of Israel. And as they disappeared from sight, Elisha tore his clothes in distress Elisha picked up Elijah's cloak, which had fallen when he was taken up. Then Elisha returned to the bank of the Jordan River. He struck the water with Elijah's cloak and cried out, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? Then the river divided. 
and Elisha went across. So here is where Elisha inherited the mantle, the cloak of Elijah. As they had been on their way, Elijah had taken his cloak, wrapped it up, and struck the waters, and they divided. Now, chariots of fire and horses of fire have come down in between them, separated them, and then Elijah is literally taken up into heavens in a whirlwind. And Elisha got to see him when he left. So Elijah said, if you see me when I depart, then this will come to pass. And so the first miracle that he performed was taking that cloak, striking the river, calling out to God, and then the river parted again. Now, when he asked for that double portion of Elijah's spirit, it isn't necessarily that he's asking to be twice as powerful or do twice as much as Elijah had done. In the time of Israel, the inheritance would work where the firstborn would get the double portion, would get double what the others were getting. And what Elisha is specifically asking for here is, can I be the one to take the legacy forward? Can I be the successor? Can I be the one to inherit at the legacy of the prophet of God and move forward? Now, I've heard many sermons in my life that, that if you count them up, Elijah did twice as many miracles as Elisha and that, you know, maybe that's part of the double portion. But the main point is he was willing, he stepped up to pay the price, whatever it was, to be the one to carry the legacy forward. Being people of legacy requires us to step up, requires us to desire that double portion requires us to be willing to be the ones that will take on that mantle and move forward in the Lord. All right. I'm going to move forward to a story from Elisha that is the woman from Shunem. Now, this story comes Directly after another story that you may remember that was a poor widow, she was about to die and, but she, and she didn't know, she, you know, she had nothing to do. And so Elisha told her to fill up, borrow as many jars as she could and then have her, she had two sons, have the sons collect them and then begin pouring the oil into the jars and the oil never ran out as long until they got to the last jar and the Lord provided for her. And so he ministered to this poor woman that was about to lose her children. And, and, and that miracle happened. They were provided for, they were able to sell the oil, pay off all her debts. And she was good. And then the next story is about a wealthy woman. So he was ministering across the spectrum. And I just want us to understand that that's a part of the legacy. <laughs> that's a part of the work of God. It needs to be across the spectrum. All right. So here's this woman from Shunem. She was wealthy. She offered hospitality to Elisha, recognizing that he was a man of God. She had her husband add on to the house. 
She didn't just offer hospitality. She's like, I want him to just be able to come here all the time. Let's build an extra room. So that's what she did. She did not ask for a child. So here she was wealthy. Her husband was older than her. She had come to a place of resignation that legacy for her wasn't going to be through childbirth. She wasn't going to have her namesake continue forward, but she was still going to support the man of God. But she, but Elisha asked, what do you want? Do you want me to speak to the king for you? Do you want me to, you know, what good thing can I do for you because of all the good things you've done for me? And she was like, I have, I, I don't have an, any need. But then his servant said, well, you know, she doesn't have a child and her husband is old. And so Elisha calls her back and he says, by this time next year, you will be uh, nursing a child. And she, her response was interesting. It was, oh Lord, please don't get my hopes up like that. Please don't promise me something that good. Please don't tell me that's going to happen if it's not really. I don't, don't play games with me here, basically. But it, this was the prophet Elisha, and he wasn't playing games. And he spoke it out, and she did conceive and had a child. Sometime later, we're not told exactly how old he was, but the child had a sudden and terrible headache. He was with his father out in the fields, and his father sent him home to his mother. And as she held him, he died in her lap. Now, the commentators are, you know, they, there's, there's been research trying to figure out what kind of ailment could this have been. Was it sunstroke? Was it uh, meningitis? What happened with him for him to, you know, he just had this sudden terrible headache. And then he goes home and, and then this child died. This is where the story twists again. This woman had been content in her home, had resigned herself to not having a legacy, at least not through childbirth. She was gracious. She administered to the prophet. But now that child that he had promised to her is dead. Why, God? What is going on here? She had some serious decisions to make in the next few moments. And that's where we're going to pick it up. So we're in second Kings chapter four, and I'm going to read 21 verses 21 through 28. She carried him up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, then shut the door and left him there. She sent a message to her husband Send one of the servants and a donkey so that I can hurry to the man of God and come right back. Why go today? He asked. It is neither a new moon festival nor a Sabbath. But she said, it will be all right. So she saddled the donkey and said to the servant, hurry, don't slow down unless I tell you to. As she approached the man of God at Mount Carmel, Elisha saw her in the distance he said to Gehazi, look, the woman from Shunem is coming. Run out to meet her and ask her, is everything all right with you, your husband and your child? Yes, the woman told Gehazi, everything is fine. 
But when she came to the man of God at the mountain, she fell to the ground before him and caught hold of his feet. Gehazi began to push her away, but the man of God said, leave her alone. She is deeply troubled, but the Lord has not told me what it is. Then she said, did I ask you for a son, my Lord? And didn't I say, don't deceive me and get my hopes up? Hmm. The New Living Translation has her stating to her husband, it will be all right. And to Gehazi, yes, everything is fine. The King James Version translates these phrases, it shall be well. And then it is well. <laughs> that is where our hymn of the church comes from. It is well. That word well means peace. These statements are startling. How can a woman whose son has just died in her arms speak such words? What is happening here? The further descriptions of that meaning of peace are soundness, completeness, welfare, prosperity, a perpetual state of favorable circumstance. Hebrews 11.35 states that through faith, women received back their dead. I'm, I believe that surely this is one of those women. But as her son was laid lifeless on the prophet's bed, this woman whose name we do not, do not know, she chose to go to God. <laughs> she did not call for the servants to make funeral arrangements. She did not collect her friends to mourn with her. The legacy of resurrection was alive within her soul, and she chose to go find Elisha the prophet. She knew the power of God that had been in Elijah was now resting on Elisha, and she knew that Elijah had once prayed over a dead child's body, and it was brought back to life. So was she being fake when she said to her husband, it will be all right, was she, why didn't she tell him what had happened? Was she just being like, just, let's just say it and hope it comes true. One possibility is that she was urgent about getting to Elisha. Once she got to Elisha, she fell to the ground and poured out her desperate grief. But she knew she had to get there first. So the, on the way there, what she spoke was peace. What she said was, there is peace. She didn't say, there is not a dead child. <laughs> but she was speaking peace on her way. In the midst of our deepest need, in the midst of your miracle that you're looking to God for right now, we may have to speak peace to some people along the way so that we do not get sidetracked from getting to the Lord. And I want us to get that and understand the difference between that and authentically sharing our grief. There are times when we have to do that, but there are times when we speak peace. How? How can we say it is well? Everything is fine. As we grow in transforming community, 
And this was written before our earlier conversation this morning, friends. But let us be a safe place for people, for us to pour out our grief. But let us also be a safe place for people to speak peace while they are journeying toward the answer. Let us say with, to each other, it is well. It will be all right. For the woman from Shunem, she was dependent on getting her husband's cooperation to even get to the prophet. It's something like asking for the keys to the car. She had to get the servant and the donkey to even get to Mount Carmel to get to the place where the man of God was. And she was laser focused on it, getting to Elisha. So even to Gehazi, she still spoke peace. Just let me get there. I don't think this was a formula. Okay? And I don't want us to adopt it like that. I've heard it said that way before, but I believe there is more depth here than just like when you're facing something, just go out and just say it as well to everybody. You might need to speak peace, but here's the deal. It's not, it's not a formula like problem plus positive confession equals victory. Too many people have become inauthentic in their faith when they try to reduce it to a formula. It must be driven by faith in the resurrection power of God and a sense of, I know where I'm going. I am going to God. I am going to him to seek the answer to this issue. And on my way, I can speak peace. I can say it is well. It will be all right because I know the God I serve. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. (laughs) She was authentic in stating peace. And she was authentic in pouring her grief out at the feet of Elisha. It's interesting. I'm not convinced for sure that the text tells us what she expected him to do. She did know that Elijah had raised somebody from the dead. So maybe that was her hope. But I think no matter what, she just knew the first thing she had to do was get to the man of God and let him know what was happening. And, the, and, and she just went there. What does reaching out to God mean for you? What does it mean for you? Find your way there. Speak peace while you go. Pour out your heart openly and fully to God. I believe he's going to give you peace in the middle of the storm. Jesus was sleeping in the boat in the middle of the storm. I don't know how he did that, but that's possible to us. We can have that kind of peace. Hallelujah. So this story has a happy ending. Elisha sends Gehazi ahead, carrying his staff, which was a symbol of his authority. And he told him to not stop or greet anyone on the way. Just hurry up. Just like the woman had hurried, just get there to the child. Gehazi found him lying on the prophet's bed. He touched him with the staff, but nothing happened. So when Elisha got there, he locked himself in the room with the child and began praying. Now, what he did next sounds very unconventional, if there is a conventional way to raise the dead. I'm not sure there is, but what he did (laughs) had precedent because Elijah had raised a widow's son to life in a similar manner. So Elisha actually laid on the child's body. And the Bible says his body began to warm. 
So Elisha gets back up, walks around praying in that room some more, and then lays on him again. It says eyes to eyes, nose to nose, like, like just on the child's body. And the child sneezed seven times and, and was alive. So his, he called his mother in, and the Bible says she was overwhelmed with gratitude. Legacy. This miracle is actually pretty early in the recounting of Elisha's ministry. There are several more miracles to come. Years later, after the land had endured a famine, this woman and her son came back to, before the king to receive back their land. They had left to the land of the Philistines because Elisha had warned them of the famine. As she walks in for the audience before the king, Gehazi is there with the king and had just at that moment been telling the king her story. The scripture says that the king believed her and restored back to her and her son all that was theirs, plus the value of any crops in the years she was gone. So the legacy was established and continued, and God kept putting together circumstances that let this woman continue with her son and have that legacy. Elisha continued to serve God as a prophet in Judah and Israel. There was a period of great darkness, though. As you, as you read through, it, you, you start reading these stories of the kings, and, and they began to choose to disobey God and, and worship idols. And, it, you know, it's a little sad. And, and then Elisha did not get to leave earth in a whirlwind like Elijah did. He actually faced illness and, and, and was as he aged, he became sick. It sounds like he had a lingering illness in his final years. He died during the reign of King Jehoash of Israel. And he wasn't finished yet. So legacy. Elisha's legacy is one of power, perception, and promise. But listen to what happened after he died. Remember now, these kings were in a downward spiral, and God was allowing other countries to attack Israel, and eventually the nation of Israel was going into exile. But this is something that happened with Elisha. 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 20 and 21. Then Elisha died and was buried. Groups of Moabite raiders used to invade the land each spring. Once, when some Israelites were burying a man, they spied a band of these raiders. So they hastily threw the corpse into the tomb of Elisha and fled. But as soon as the body touched Elisha's bones, the dead man revived and jumped to his feet. As soon as the corpse touched Elisha's bones, the dead man revived and jumped to his feet. People, the legacy of resurrection continued even through Elisha's bones. That's power, my friend. And notice, this dead man didn't yawn and roll over and begin stretching out and say, Oh, look where I am. No, as soon as he hit his bones, boom, he jumped up to his feet. That's resurrection power. Now, that's a great story. I think that's a great story just all by itself. 
whether it has anything to, for, you know, I just think it's a great story. Come on, throw a guy into a grave and it touches the bones and he comes alive. It's thrilling. It's mysterious. It's miraculous. It's startling. It's surprising. It's humorous. <laughs> it's encouraging. It's mystifying. It's all of that. But what does it have to do with us here in 2019 in Vienna, Virginia? Is there a takeaway for us from this story? Well, I think so. Here's mine. Leave something behind that is life-giving. Maybe I don't have to wait till I'm dead to do that. Wherever I am, what am I leaving behind? And is it life-giving? What is the attitude in a room when I leave? How have I made people feel? When we're in conversation, have I spoken faith and peace and life? Have I infused hope into the situation? Have I pointed people to the life giver, our resurrected Lord? What am I leaving behind? What is our legacy? I want it to be a life-giving legacy. So I've said that, his, that Elijah's legacy was power, perception, and promise. I'm going to leave us just with three scriptures from the New Testament that say this is real. You can have this legacy. You can have this legacy. You do have this legacy. Romans 8, 11, power. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. Amen. We have the same power uh, that raised Jesus from the dead living inside us. Perception. You have prophetic perception. 1 Corinthians 2, 12, and then verse 16. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. Say, I have the mind of Christ. We're going to say it again. I have the mind of Christ. Yes, you do. You have been given the spirit of God and can know what God has provided. And lastly, resurrection is a promise. It's not just a legacy. It's a promise. It is coming to us. First Corinthians 15. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment. Just like the guy that touched Elisha's bone. Boom. In a moment. In the blink of an eye. When the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then... When our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. 
Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power, but thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. The promise of resurrection is real. It is true. It is for us. It is a part of our legacy. It needs to be true that what we leave behind us is the hope of the resurrection. The generation that came before us left it for us. The generation that came before them, left it for them. Every generation since the time that this was written has left the hope of the resurrection and we must keep it alive, people, and leave a legacy of hope and power for those that come behind us. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Amen. Let us leave a legacy that is life-giving, hope-breeding, faith-building, peacemaking, a legacy of trust in God and confidence in the resurrection. Amen, amen, and amen. We've prayed today for the miracle-working power of God to be at work in you this week. We have prayed that the power of God would be made real this week. I think the way to end today is to just seal that and to just say uh, that we are trusting in the power of God to do the work that he has called us to do, to do the 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 thing that only he can do that gives us the legacy moving forward as we depend on his power. It's not our power. It's his power at work in us. (laughs) Elisha didn't put power in his bones, but the power of God was there and it left that legacy. We can move forward and we can say it is well It is well, I am trusting in God, and God is the one that will make this right. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Thank you for your resurrection power, God. Thank you for the promise. Thank you for the promise that we will indeed be changed and become transformed into eternal life, that resurrection is real. It is something that you have promised us. Jesus raised from the dead as the first fruits, and we will be following. You displayed your power, even in the Old Testament times, raising people from the dead. And we have that legacy to carry forward. I pray that you would keep that mantle on us. Let us not shake it off. Let us not be um, unwilling to shoulder that burden of the legacy, but to instead move forward in the power of the resurrection to keep the legacy alive, Lord. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I thank you for it, Lord. Amen.